0: You are listening to the Ideas to Profits podcast, hosted by myself, Ross Blaine, and with my co-author, Dr. Paul Dick. And weekly, we have special guests to add to our conversations about the ideas inside I2P. On my desk, I've got a picture. It's of three Bouvier dogs. My favorite dog. Big dogs, right? And... The one picture is of an old Bouvier. It's called the old dog. That's me. On the other side is a pup. That's my grandson Nixon. In the middle is a big dog that I'm very proud of, my son Mitchell. Mitchell has had a really interesting career. He is looking after the development and sale of commercial real estate in Southwestern Ontario. So. Mitchell, you're pretty much in tune where the economies are going, eh?
1: I I hope we get a bit of a glimpse, yeah. Albeit it's a bit tricky right now with what's happening in the world, but uh, yeah. Why is it tricky? Uh, You've got a lot going on. It's not one issue, it's multiple issues all at the same time. It's a very complex machine and it's not fixing one gear is going to repair the machine. You're having to adjust a whole bunch. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging and fascinating all at the same time, which is what I love. Uh, there's a great
0: book. One of the three books that I suggest people read for business. It's called Machiavelli's the Prince. And everybody thinks that this is a terrible quote, but I can remember the first plan you put together, Mitchell, you knew exactly where it was going in the Prince Machiavelli says to the young Prince, the end justifies the means. Most people go, oh, that's Machiavellian, that's awful. But really, in what you do,
1: you often set an objective right and then
0: build to achieve that. Would that be
1: correct? Yeah, I'm one of my credos is fail to plan and plan to fail, right? So it's something you've got to take into account. Has that been one of the hallmarks to your success? Uh, I think it's the balance of... I mean, you've always been a big advocate, and I appreciate for our audience the number of conversations you and I have had over the course of my 42 years. Um, You know, we've had a lot of discussions about the mix of strategic objectives, long-term objectives with very tactical and operational planning objectives. And so I think it's kind of the balance. You gotta gotta take the long-term into account, but you must boil it down to the next action. And so that's something I enjoy doing—is really kind of solving for that kind of problem. So you see a problem as an opportunity, then? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. By the way, one point of clarification, everyone. I had Mitchell when I was twelve. Okay, so forty-two, and yeah, I'm not—I'm not an old guy as it may sound.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: Anyways, so and and another question I've got for you is basically. Um, Your industry, as I said earlier, is the bellwether for where the economy is going. You got hit by COVID where everybody got sent home from offices. Did the office rental business go up or down?
1: Yeah, you can probably guess the answer to that. Yeah, it has been a challenging environment from an investment standpoint. Absolutely. Has it come back? I've definitely seen some early trends uh, for the return to work, the importance of collaboration. Being with people, I, I... One of my fundamental principles is relationships and the importance of them. And that requires in-person contact. You can have Zoom calls and they're important and they're efficient, but to build really deep, nurturing, trusting relationships in-person cannot be replicated from millions of years of evolution. So to me, you're starting to see that long-term habit come back again. It did hit a road bump, speed bump, no doubt. For the last two years but it is coming back as an old dog yes i do zoom
0: and teams and that sort of stuff but you know what i can never get that spontaneous conversation that you get when you're in an office and you have an idea and you walk down and say hey mitchell what do you think of this idea now
1: your team does a lot of that don't they yeah we we come back to your planning point no doubt we set a structure to create opportunities for those quote-unquote collisions of people and ideas and energy and um, you know the structure is there to facilitate the improvisation and the creativity right Right. and so you know for us just as a simple tactic we talk we have got our team huddle it sometimes is a minute long it's sometimes six minutes long every day at 4 p.m and sometimes it's to sync up on various priorities but a lot of the times there's ideas that have come up and so we regroup a lot of times that's in person in the office. Uh, many of the times it's through Zoom. So it's it's a mix of all of the above. But we've taken the time to plan out the practice and put the structure into place, have the discipline so that we can have, to your point, that creativity come out spontaneously. Right Now, okay, one of the things that uh, often scares my
0: clients to death is when they get a phone call from me that says, I have an idea, and it scares the heck out of them. Oh, what's ross up to now but when you have your huddle and people have an idea how do you go about nurturing it how do you go about determining
1: if it's viable and workable so um i mean in our little team we've got eight people and eight brains are better than one from a volume standpoint and diversity standpoint of ideas and thoughts and perspectives At the same time We can't have people just interrupting and hijacking someone else's time at a moment's notice. And so what we've done is we've created data banks or agendas in a tool we have, so that when someone has an idea, they put it in there and we create specific times for reviewing these initiatives, ideas, whatever you want to call them, so that they don't get lost, right? There's lots of great ideas, there's lots of great opportunities, lots of great things flying around out there. And so that tool, of data banking all this and reviewing it on a regular cadence has become really important work that we don't lose the idea, but at the same time that we don't get distracted from executing. Because an idea is great, but if you don't execute on it, it's absolutely useless. And so the other part that I've found comes out of it is prioritizing it. Uh, there's more ideas than we'll ever be able to execute on, and so part of the exercise in reviewing the data bank is also prioritizing which ones are going to get the most impact.
0: Now, how do you determine how to prioritize it? Because everybody thinks their idea
1: is most important. Uh, that's where in-person matters a lot. That's where trust matters a lot. That's where effective communication matters a lot. Respectful communication matters a lot. And so having a team that does respect each other and allows for others to have an opinion usually come to a peaceful resolution. Um, And it's funny when you have a really tightly connected group, it's shocking how aligned they are even from the beginning. Rarely, at least in our crew, do we have any kind of uh, disagreement to a substantial level about doing something. It's fairly quick. And so, again, I think that's the level of relationship coming through that everybody already knows yeah this isn't important we know this isn't important no but this one is and so the alignment usually is already there
0: now you're charged within your new role as a senior vice president which uh, to developing your particular company across southwestern ontario how are you going to keep that culture as you build an office in waterloo or in uh london or you know Hamilton or wherever.
1: How are you gonna keep that? Isn't isn't that the trick, right? Isn't that the trick of think about those leading giant companies with thousands of employees? Think of you know, I often and I thank you, I sit in your cave here and I see military memorabilia and aircraft memorabilia. You think about military and how does a single general or admiral create real deep relationships with that number of people I personally don't think it is a case of really deep nurturing relationships because that takes time you yeah. we only got 24 hours in a day and we only got so much time on this earth but if you can have a consistent culture that goes down to the people that you build the relationship with whether that's 8 or 10 or 20 impossible to do it on a deep level with thousands of people we just don't have time to do it as any single individual but if you can preserve a level of culture and values and really have those that you built it with do it with theirs you get that exponential effect on the organization so for me it's it's a cultural thing it's a values thing if you promote that from the top it'll trickle through all the rest so Um, it cascades
0: down absolutely so that means for you to grow in markets, you need to pick leaders for those markets that will have the same values as you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we So I came from another company, I was there for 18 years, and it had grown really big, really fast, and become really cumbersome and cluttered, is how I would put it. No, no negative reason for it, except for it went through a really rapid growth. And so we've learned the lessons of the pains of that And our objective in JLL is to be better, not bigger. And so we also don't feel that we need to have and be the most people in an organization. We want to take on the best people for the job, the highest quality and execute to the highest level on the best projects with the best customers. So for us, it's a quality thing versus just sheer volume so you're being selective versus being 100%. greedy. isn't a, I mean, it sounds so cliche. It's like, and as a younger business person, it's hard to say no. You want to do great things for lots of people, but you, I think it's, you know, for me, it was when I had kids that you recognize you only have so much time left on the earth. You're only going to be able to affect so much change in any given amount of time. you got to pick your spots. It's a prioritizing of... People you work with, people you deal with, people in your life, right? Yeah. So it's it's that's how I see it. It's interesting because as you know I'm
0: working on our third book and it's called No Stop and No you know what the word no stands for? No. Next opportunity. There you go. You have to look and see. And when you do it you start thinking opportunities and potentials to be able to pick the right opportunity.
1: And that's and that's that's a, a, you know that's the trick right now. And you never fully know. You're never going to guess it perfectly. If you did, you'd you'd be infinitely wealthy, right? That's not how it works. But having a long-term thesis, having specific values, I think, is your compass that will get you through it. Um, but you need to back to your point about planning. You do need to boil it down from this large nebulous idea to how do we actually take steps forward towards that objective. You may not be a straight path, but it's a question of do you stay on, on a path, right?
0: I still remember when you and I were doing some planning for what you were going to do with your, your career and everything, yeah. and we rode all over your kitchen I, windows I, in your house. Clearly. We literally filled all the windows, eh?
1: It was fun. Uh, it's, uh, there's, there's something very stress relieving let alone important about just putting it all out there. You mentioned the window with the, the, the dry erase marker. Yeah. Or, you know, for our, our team, we use an app that serves as a place just to keep and have visibility on all these ideas. Yeah. And like what you showed us, it's just about prioritizing, execute, rinse, and repeat. And you're mm-hmm. constantly evaluating that cycle. I want to change gears just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Where is our economy
0: going in your mind and how are we going to get through this rough period over the next, I think, couple years, would you
1: say? Yeah, it's, I mean, we've been in a state of volatility for the last, for sure, two years since the pandemic. And I mean, it's anybody's guess where everyone's got an opinion. No one really knows. I, I for sure do not know where we're going. What I'm looking for right now, though, is early indications. Right? You you never are going to be fully sure of something's long-term trajectory. Uh, pardon me, long-term potential, but you can kind of start looking at the trajectory. And so, what I found from the limited number of you know cycles, recessions, and growth is that there are certain trends that are going to be beyond kind of overall market and economy kind of stuff. And they're gonna come out even stronger, right? Um, I, I fundamentally believe we are going through a big shift in globalization. Um, that is one that I'm, I'm not sure we've fully accounted for in Canada. Um, I, I think we've got an incredible amount of opportunity in Canada um, based on resource availability, population growth, um, social balance, right? I, I mean, nobody's perfect, but we do have an incredible amount of really good things going in Canada. So for me, that's not a detailed answer to your question where we're going, but what areas might not be hit as hard, or which ones might accelerate fastest out of this? Right now, we're in the downdraft. Like, you're, you're, you're dealing with it, we're all gonna deal with it for however long it's gonna be. The question becomes is which ones, on a long-term basis, are gonna emerge first? Uh, maybe that's countries, maybe that's economies, maybe that's certain business industries. Um, no doubt, I, I back to my point about globalization, I think the, the emergence of reshoring for our own domestic population, meaning making our food here or making things here, will have a big place over the course of the next 20 years. Um, how quickly it happens is anybody's guess, but there's no doubt the alliances of the past in the world is changing. Um, It may not be ruined forever, but no doubt for the next little while, uh, companies, people, society is going to have to rejig where they get their stuff and how it's made. So I I think that's where there's a lot coming out of it.
0: There was once a project in Ontario that said they were going to turn southern Ontario into the food industry center for Canada and northern United States
1: are you seeing that happen now is it coming is it I mean look we're, we're right now having this conversation in Brantford Ontario Canada and stones throw away from us is a Ferrero chocolate plant that makes pretty much all the Nutella for North America and I mean it's Nutella but that is a tremendous example of some of some of the, the domestic production of food that could be here. And I, I have to be careful, I'm under confidentiality and a few other things, but there are more coming to Brantford, to parts of Southern Ontario. The, the question will be is can we as government and policy makers, like, can we meet it quickly? Because it's easy to become cumbersome and worry about what might happen. Uh, capital moves very quickly and in these big shifts in you know kind of the global landscape if we don't as a government as, as governments and a society as a community move quickly as well to meet it we may miss it that's my biggest concern i do think there's a massive opportunity for food production here it's happening right now they're knocking on the door can we open that door quick enough that we take advantage of it time will tell are
0: these local initiatives or are they large offshore initiatives that are looking to come here is that the same question to ask i I don't
1: know if they're offshore i mean appreciate some of the biggest companies in the world are global companies right Right. they may be headquartered in the us it might be headquartered in europe wherever they're headquartered they're global right and they're going to go where it's efficient and there's value and that's where i think that's why i come back to i think canada has a tremendous place in the future of reshoring food production uh, not just food production, hardware in the way of advanced technologies. I mean, it's hard to build a plant right now. It's very difficult to get materials, get people to build it. We do need to see some, some pace pick up on that. Um, but you're starting to absolutely see these global companies try to come back to North America right now. Not a doubt in my mind, and talking with my colleagues in the U.S., they have never seen such a push by manufacturers to come back as they are right now. Why do you think that is? Because of the risk to business. Because you have realized through all the Ukraine, Russia issues, issues with trade in China, even down in Taiwan with semiconductors, when you're that far away and that removed and don't have that level of control, in good times you're okay. But the risk to that global supply chain is massive. And so you need to shore up your risk. As much as you need to re- reach for profits, if you disrupt the entire supply chain and you can't make your products, you're, you're pooched, you're done, it's over. And so I think you're seeing that quick realization of risk in how the global supply chains were structured. And so it, it'll take time, it'll take years, decades, but you can see the trajectory. That's what I'm getting at, is this won't happen overnight. It's not like you're gonna have a whole bunch of manufacturing plants all over the place but there is an effort to make it happen no doubt. I have a suspicion that things like just
0: in time are going to start disappearing because we're going to start seeing larger warehouses built because people need to buy larger inventories
1: to protect themselves against these vagrancies. So the, 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 the catch line is it's gone from just in time to just in case. Yeah. And what that is great in these highly volatile risky times but you know enough about business and finance i'm not really a finance kind of minded person holding massive inventories can be a massive risk on its own yes and so the pendulum going to swing one way and we'll probably find you're already seeing with certain retailers they're holding too much inventory and you'll see it start swinging back the other way we'll form new trade alliances right again is where i think canada can play a very, very important role, especially with the U.S. and Mexico. Um, And so, no doubt, I think you're going to find new alliances are going to get built. New, you know, trade partners are going to get built. This has been happening for thousands and thousands of years. This is is not new. It's just different with who the players are. And so, I think it's all playing out right now. Do you think Canada could, in fact,
0: become the broker, you want to use the word broker, for new trade alliances because we're seen as being...
1: Or the Switzerland. Yeah. The Switzerland and North America. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we have to be very careful, though. Um, as a society, I think politicians need to be careful that they don't run on a emotionally charged agenda in an effort to get votes because that further swing to the right or the left, I'm not getting into a political debate here, but that will attract heavily a certain group and it'll push away others. And so our place as being the Switzerland of North America, if we're to be that mediator, be that peacekeeper, mm-hmm. is to take a very middle ground. And and I appreciate that doesn't ring with a lot of people on either side, but in the end of the day that's where absolutely I think we can bring a ton of value and benefit all of us from so it. so what I hear you
0: saying, this is really kinda of cool. Never thought of it this way. Maybe us being pink conservatives and blue liberals puts us in a
1: position to be able to be a broker, a negotiator, an intermediary. So, let's, listen, have you ever gotten an email and you read it like 10 times? The more you read it, you kind of go, man, what did they mean by that word? I didn't like that. That's not sitting right with me. Okay, that's an email. Yep. It can be construed incorrectly. Yeah. Because it's certain words, the subtleties of human communication don't come through an email then you get on a zoom call and it's like okay you know what i'm kind of getting it but i'm really not seeing their their body language maybe they turn their screen off so all i'm getting is voice and you know you get a little bit more of that subtlety come through um in person back to your thing about the office when you're with someone spend the time and communicate effectively and over enough time that you get your message through you will find common ground what i worry about to your point about you know everybody coming to the middle, if you will, is that it's going to require everyone coming together again and listening. Yeah, that's not hey my agenda is right, yours is wrong. That that's a high level of maturity that a lot of people don't have, but that's that's where the opportunity is. That's where the opportunity is. Instead of just leaning into populism, which seems to be what's happening.
0: Yeah, that yeah, scares the heck out of
1: me. It sure does. I mean, so.
0: I said I was gonna ask you three questions.
1: You asked yourself, what was the third question I was gonna ask you? Third question, how do you manage the current volatility? How do you gauge your direction going forward, right? Yeah, what three things do people need to know in business? I I mean, I, I think number one is, it's very important that you listen. So I come back to my point about looking for early indicators, right? The only way you see said early indicators is if you really watch and listen, not taking your own agenda and establishing and trying to push it forward. So it's very important in these times to be, I would argue, more of an observer and looking for those opportunities, if you will. Uh, don't get me wrong, there will be a hardship on a lot of people over the course of the next little bit, right, And but you need to remove your emotions from that and really look objectively at where and what is happening around you. So that's number one. Number two is to, to not, lose, um, not lose your long-term vision or thesis in an idea. Meaning, if you feel that manufacturing has a place in Canada because of certain reasons, what has disrupted that? What would disrupt that? Or is the long-term thesis still intact and i think it's easy to get caught in the day-to-day hop on social media all of a sudden it's like oh something bad's happening and you lose that long-term viewpoint and so you need to really kind of back up listen back up and then the last piece is boil it down to action okay so we can't control what the heck happens in any other part of the world we can't control what happens with any person i can't control what you do What I can do is what I control and how I respond to things. And so if I'm making a step, big or small, as long as it's a step towards that long-term strategy with an attentive you know, kind of ear, watching for opportunities, listening for risk, I think you'll move towards a much better future, right? And the world will if we all did that. So that's how I think you blend that cycle of long-term thinking with short-term is through attention, respect, and action, right? I hope that made sense.
0: I, yeah, if I could boil it down into one simple thing, it's not jumping to conclusions, it's looking for patterns. And once you understand the patterns, look for the ideas that you can nurture within those patterns. And once you've done that, back to our basic hypothesis, you then can start planning.
1: Agreed. And and I think you have to be careful that you know you, you need to go in with a hypothesis but you need to be ready that it's wrong or that it has risk and it needs to change. Yeah. Because no doubt, paradigm shifts happen, right? Different things happen. And you need to be prepared to walk away with it. And that's it's, it's very Zen-like. I mean, I'm a huge yeah. advocate of meditation, but you, you need to be able to set your own ego and emotions aside in an effort to make the best decision if you're thinking about a business, right? That's my opinion. I love one of the things is Elon Musk
0: with his six rockets. Have you heard that story? No. He put enough money in to build six rockets because he believed that four of them would fail, and each failure he'd win from. And he did, in fact. Learn from. But, you know, the first one failed. He learned what went wrong, and they fixed it. second failed, and that's basically you're right. Don't get intransigent. Don't get
1: stuck on where you're going. Don't pivot too fast, though. You, you were not long ago talking about resiliency and you know, like there's another saying with failing is and, and learning from failures is fail fast. Yeah. Right. In yeah. fact, you n- you're never going to get it all right. So it's the speed at which you fail, how often and how you recover from it and learn from it that actually will put you further ahead. Right. So you, you nailed it. Right. Fail, fail fast. Yeah.
0: Well, Thank you, Mitchell. It's been Pleasure. enjoyable having you here. I mean, I am, can I say it, quite confident or quite, without getting sentimental. Yeah. I'm really
1: proud of you. Uh, hey, you know what? i You were given the dog story, so I'll, I'll get sentimental. So I hope that one day, I'm that old dog, my son can grow up to be the big dog, and you're just doing what I hope <laughs> to do one day, too. So thank oh, you. Oh, God, I'll be in the pound Not, yeah, yeah yeah i'll be in the no, power we're, we're we're putting you down oh okay, fine. <laughs> 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 okay so thanks
0: <laughs> download all the latest i2p episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts join our online community at ideas number two profits where you can take advantage of workshops, complimentary downloadables, and monthly newsletters. And finally, should you require someone to do a keynote address to one of your associations or groups, Paul and I are available. We also have a series of workshops that will be downloaded from the website that you can absolutely provide to your staff in your working environments. Thank you again. Have a great day.